DNB Tech Minute gives you the day's top tech headlines, from the big names in Silicon Valley to the halls of power. If it's making news in tech, we've got it. Check out TNB Tech Minute in the Tech News Briefing feed from The Wall Street Journal. I'm Susie Orman, better known as the Money Lady. And the best thing that you need to know about me is I care more than anybody in this world what happens to you and your money. And it is my job to make sure that you are all safe, secure, and smart when it comes to the dollars and cents of your life. If we think that men are going to be our saviors, that that the government is going to save us, that there's just no opportunity out there... As soon as you can prove who you are and what you have going and what you can do for a firm, you can name your price. This is Secrets of Wealthy Women from The Wall Street Journal, helping women empower themselves financially. Now, Veronica Dagger. Susie Orman is a renowned personal finance guru. As an internationally known television personality, she explains why it remains her life's passion to help women take control of their money. Susie, when you were young, your dad's business caught on fire. How did that shape your view of money? Oh, my God. So imagine this, that you already know as a kid that the reason that your parents aren't happy is that they don't have any money. Because as a little kid, you hear them fighting about it and, and arguing and mommy buying something and mommy having to hide it so that daddy doesn't see that she bought it. So as a little kid, you already know this. So imagine being in your teens, driving up to your father's little tiny chicken shack. It's about 400 square feet. Mom's in the car with me. We're going to pick him up. And We drive up, and his entire building is on fire. And we're like, "Uh uh-oh. And all of a sudden, you see your father running out of the building, totally safe and sound, and everything's great. And then you see him turn around and go back in the building to emerge with a cash register, because back in those days, all the cash registers were metal, And he emerges with the cash register because in that cash register had every penny to his name. And because it was metal and it was in the fire, when he comes out, he drops the the cash register on the floor, you know, on the grass, and with it comes all the skin on his arms and his chest. It was at that moment that I knew that at least for my family and at least for my father, Money was more important than life itself. Do you still feel that way? No. Um, But I'll tell you one thing. If you don't have money, and I know a lot of people may be listening to this, but I know a lot of people that listen to me throughout the world who don't have money to pay their bills, and every penny that they have is in their wallet. Or, you know, they don't even have that because they have thousands of dollars of credit card debt. For them, money is more important than life because they can't live their life without money. And how many people do I know committed suicide in the past month? Two friends of mine committed suicide, both with a gun to the head, because they totally blew all of their money and they didn't want to live anymore. So for some people, 
Money is still more important than life itself. For others, it's not. It just depends. What do you say to someone who's in a desperate situation like that? Well, one of them was my cousin. And I tried and I tried and I tried. But he, you just, he didn't, he couldn't hear. You know, you can never, I learned this a lot on the Susie Orman show. You can't be rational with an irrational person because they're not going to hear you. They're not going to pay attention to you. They already have it fixed in their head so strongly that they know exactly what they're doing and why they do it. You said you didn't expect to make much of yourself when you were growing up. How come? Oh, many reasons. I grew up on the south side of Chicago. My mom was a secretary who sold Avon on the side. My father spent a good time of his life being sick, especially after the fire, because besides third-degree burns all over his body, he got emphysema. So he was constantly in the hospital, constantly trying to breathe, never being able to sleep a night because with emphysema, you can't lie down. And back then, they didn't have a lot of the medications that opened up your lungs. And but so I already knew from the start that my family had no money, number one. So you think you're never going to have any money. But number two, I had a speech impediment and I couldn't pronounce my R's, S's or T's. So words such as beautiful came out as boobital. Because I couldn't speak, I could not read. And on the south side of Chicago, where I grew up, they gave you reading exams every year. And they would seat you in the classroom according to your reading exam score. Well, little Susie Orman, because she couldn't read, always got the lowest score. So while my best friends were in the first row, the first three seats, Susie was in the sixth row in the very last seat. So I knew I was stupid. I knew I was dumb. So why should I even try? And I never did. You said you used to have low self-esteem, but now you have a crush on yourself. I do. What advice do you have for women who want to change their opinions of themselves? You have to really look within to see why you're doing without. And when I say that phrase, I'm not just meaning without money. I'm meaning without self-worth. Because what I've learned over all these years is that self-worth equals net worth. If you don't value who you are, you know, then nobody values you. And you make money, but it's not, nothing means anything to you because you're not valuing yourself. So you buy these things so that other people are impressed by you. You drive a fancy car so strangers in a stop sign next to you think you're really cool and have money. You try to express your worth in every possible way besides yourself. And the only way to do that is to buy buy these things that define you. So you have to know who you are. And you have to know what makes you you and what makes you special. Because every single one of us is God's gift to this world. Why are we here? Why were we created? And it's not about you having to do something for somebody or making this big mark on the world. Can you make a mark on just yourself? Can you just do more than what most people can do, and that's value who you are. How you do that 
it's that's not a easy answer for me because everybody else is going to have to have their own path. But every solution starts with the question: How, why, where, what, what can I do? Where can I go to find the answers? So everybody has to find their journey back to where they started for themselves. After being defrauded by a financial advisor, you later became one. How come? <laughs> well. That's a great story. So here I am, and after you know going in the University of Illinois, now I head out with my girlfriend and two other women, and we end up in Berkeley, California, and I land a job at the Buttercup Bakery on College in Alcatraz, and I remained a waitress there for seven years, making $400 a month until I was essentially 30 years of age. And then I had this dream of wow, I've made these people so much money because on my ideas, they went from this tiny little restaurant takeout place when I started with them to almost owning the whole block. All on my ideas. I would always say, let's do this. Let's try that. Why don't, bam. So then I realized, oh my God, I can do this. Look what I did for somebody else. I can do this. But I didn't have any money. There was no way I could open up a restaurant. And my parents, my mom and dad, had absolutely no money. So they couldn't give me the money to do that. So I was telling somebody about this, one of the people I had waited on, Fred Hasbrook, for all those seven years. Fred told all the customers I had waited on. And they gave me $50,000 to open up my own restaurant, but told me to take the money down to Merrill Lynch and put it in a money market account until I could open up my own restaurant. I didn't know what a Merrill Lynch was. I didn't know what a money market account was. They explained all that to me. Walk into Merrill Lynch. I'm assigned the broker of the day. His name was Randy. And I told him everything, what the money was for, blah, blah, that it wasn't my money, that this was a loan from all these people. If I could pay it back, they didn't care. But if I could, they would like if I could. And so he said, how would you like to make a quick $100 a week? And I was like, Randy, that's like what more that I make as a waitress, really? He said, just sign here on the bottom line of all these blank papers. I didn't know better. I signed on the bottom line. They were options papers. He filled out all of the information on those papers, qualifying me to buy, put, sell, to trade options. To make a very long story short, within three months, all $50,000 was lost. Now, I didn't know what to do because I knew that the people who gave me that money, even though they said I never had to pay them back, it was a lot of money for them. $1,000 here, $500 here. These were all workers, These were people who didn't have money. So I thought, I know, I can be a broker. They just make you broker. And for some reason, I got dressed in my red and white striped sassoon pants, my blue silk shirt, my white cowboy boots, which I still wear, see, cowboy boots to this day. And I walked into Merrill Lynch wanting a job. And all of a sudden, I find myself in the manager's office who now this is 1980, and they have to hire me, in their opinion, to fill affirmative action. They didn't have any women in that office at that time. But I was told women belong barefoot and pregnant. Peter Sansevero was the name of the manager who said that to me. And and I said to him, all right, how much are you going to pay me to make me pregnant? And he said, $1,500 a month. And I just looked at him, and he said, but here's the catch, Miss Orman. I will hire you, but I will fire you in six months. 
And I went, in my head, $1,500 a month for six months is $9,000. It'd take me two years to make that at the Buttercup Bakery. Great. And again, so I'm hired. Now I'm finding out that what my broker did was illegal with the know your customer rule. So then again, as I was about to say, to make a long story short, through the help of some other friends who worked for Merrill Lynch, the head of operations at the time, told me that I should sue. And here was the name of a lawyer that will take the case on contingency, which I didn't know what that was either. And what I didn't know is because I sued them, they couldn't fire me. By the time it came to court, I was their number six producing broker in that office. A new manager came in. He looked at it, and he went, this is crazy, gave me all $50,000 back, plus 18% interest at the time, because that is what interest rates were back then. So that's how I became a stockbroker, how I became a voice for all the negligence and abuse that goes on with financial advisors and stockbrokers and in the financial industry, in my opinion, for and the banking industry for everyday little consumers. I don't care if you have millions of dollars, fine, good for you. But if all you have to your name is $3,000, you, you can't lose it. Losing $3,000 for somebody would be more than me losing $30 million on the spot right now. If I lost $30 million right now, it would not affect my life at all. So when you don't have money, you need an advocate, and nobody cares. And that's how I started to become the Susie Orman that you see today. What if AI could help your business deliver mission-critical outcomes with speed? With IBM Consulting, your business can design, build, and scale trusted AI using Watson X and modernize the way you work to accelerate real impact. Let's create AI that transforms your business. Learn more at ibm.com slash consulting. IBM. Let's create. The Future of Everything podcast from The Wall Street Journal. Another new episode is coming soon. You're listening to Secrets of Wealthy Women from The Wall Street Journal. What do you say to women who are underestimated? Oh, I say to them, are you kidding me? You know, I understand very well because I was in the financial field, and there's no more sexist, male-dominated field than finance. None. Still, to this day, in my opinion. It's changing, but not enough. But all right, we'll get there. And so I understand very well when we say women still are only paid 80 cents on every dollar, and I get all that. But what I don't get is why women are allowing that to happen. Because in my opinion, if we think that men are going to be our saviors, that, that the government is going to save us, that there's just no opportunity out there, as soon as you can prove who you are and what you have going and what you can do for a firm, you can name your price. So I've always said, make those that you're dependent on a paycheck for dependent upon you. Show them the whole first year that I was on the Susie Orman show on CNBC. I didn't make one penny. 
And I didn't make a penny because I refused to sign a contract for what they wanted to pay me and for what it was going to be for five years. After one year, when the ratings came in and they show and I showed them what I could do, I got what I wanted. <laughs> what about the penalty women may pay for doing that? You know, those are risks we have to take. And I believe that because the bigger risk is you always stay undervalued. And when you undervalue what you do, you undervalue who you are. And when you undervalue who you are, you also undervalue what you do. And I understand that it takes a lot of courage. Um, and that has a lot to do with the Me Too movement, if you think about it, and Time's Up. The reason that many women did that right, is because they needed to make money to take care of their families, if they had had money, if they had an eight-month emergency fund, if they didn't have credit card debt, maybe they would have had a little more strength, just a little more strength to say, are you kidding me? No way. And But it's hard because also men like that are predators because they do it over and over again. They just don't do it to one woman. They do it and they target women who have low self-esteem. They target women who, you know, that they probably know don't have the strength to say, forget about it. And so somewhere, women, we all have to find our not only financial voice, but our voices. Our voices that say no and if and not to make that trade off because nothing is worth losing your self-worth. Nothing. But I get how hard that is. But is really a job worth it? Is really money worth it? It goes back to your original question. Is life, you know, is money more important than life? Is money more important than your own integrity? You said you never hid your sexual orientation. What advice do you have to women who want to come out but are afraid of the career and hence potential financial penalty they might pay? Listen, you are who you are. And if you have to hide who you are, then where you are working or where you are living or where you are being, hanging out, you know, be just being is the wrong place. I am 67 years of age. And when I came out, was in high school. In, we're talking about now the 60s. We are talking before marriage equality, before gay liberation, before all these things. It didn't exist back then. And you were really just out there. But in college, I started a gay women's house where four or five of us lived. And every Tuesday night, all the lesbians would come and we would meet together. And that was at a time where there was a lot of danger doing that and our lives and everything. But I did it. And I did it because I didn't have another choice. So you either are who you are or you're not. And if you hide who you are, you're living a half-life. So there comes a time where you just have to stand up for yourself. You have to take that risk no matter what the ramifications happen to be. You eventually started your own financial firm, and you said your assistant defrauded you mm -hmm. of about $60,000. What's your advice for entrepreneurs who are trying to figure out who to trust? Well, they didn't, she didn't defraud me of $60,000. She defrauded me of close to seven figures, a whole lot of money. And it's a long story how that happened. But 
It was a typical woman situation. I felt sorry for this woman. She worked for me at Prudential Beige because she couldn't make it as a stockbroker, a financial advisor on her own. And the manager at the time, um, Preston Cranford, who I loved so much and still do, came to see, I don't hate all men by any means. There's good ones out there, um, a lot of them, right? But Preston came to me and said, can you help this woman or I'm going to have to fire her? I said, all right. I had more clients than I knew what to do with. And I made her an assistant to me. All right. Then I started my own firm. I thought, well, I'll bring her over. It's a long story what happened, but she literally set me up to steal all the clients and uh, to do this whole thing. And that was, but I knew I never liked her. I knew from the very start I didn't like her, even when I said yes to Preston. So I went against my own gut. I went against my own feelings because I'm a woman and I need to help other women, even if I don't want to. That was the biggest mistake I ever made in my life. But it was that experience that was priceless because I would never do that again. So if you're out there, women, and you think it is your job to save this world, I'm here to tell you it is not. It is your job to stand in your truth. It is your job to do more for yourself than you do for others. It is your job to help women find their voice, but not at your sacrifice, ladies, in terms of if you don't want to be around somebody, if somebody else is bad company, if you don't want to give money to your sister or your brothers that you've earned because they don't have money, you are not their saviors. Now, parents are another story, but besides your parents, I don't know, everybody else, they need to do it on their own. What do you say to women who say that sounds selfish? I don't care. You better be selfish because if you're not, here's what's going to happen to you. You're going to make money and you're going to give it and you're going to volunteer and you're going to do all these things for your whole life. And you're going to turn 10. You're going to go from 10 years of age to 20 years of age, 30 years of age, 40 years of age, 50 years of age, 60 and almost 70 like me. And somewhere in that span, normally around 50, maybe your spouse leaves you. Your kids now are off to school. You're still paying their student loans. They're not even doing what they're supposed to do because they never got the jobs that they wanted. And now you are here all alone without a pot to pee in. And you have nobody to blame but yourself. I am telling you, I had tens of thousands of calls, you know, emails, weekly, monthly on the Susie Orman Show from women 50, 60, 70 years of age with a scenario of why did I do that when I was younger? Why didn't I have accounts in my own name? Why didn't I have credit cards in my own name? Why wasn't I fully contributing to my own retirement account? Why wasn't I looking at my tax return when I had it with my spouse and before I signed it, before we all find out that it was fraudulent and I'm the one who owes the money back to the government? That's why I wrote the book, Women and Money. That is why I am back on the circuit again, because women need a voice. Women need a plan. Women need to know, do this, do that, do that, do this, do this, do that. There's a chapter in there that's do not put yourself on sale. And the ending chapter is say your name. Women don't even say their names, and half the women don't even keep their own name anymore. Right? It should be 100% of women keep their own name when they get married. 
What do you say to people who feel that your advice is too simplistic for some people's financial situations? Good. I hope you think that's true. And because that would mean that all the simplicity that I'm talking about, you've done. You have a will, you have a trust, you have an advanced directive, you have a durable power of attorney for health care. You know that if you live in a community property state that all your assets should be titled, you know, in community property held within the trust. You know that you should stay away from a variable universal and whole life insurance policies. You know what to do with student loans. You know that you should be doing Roth 401ks or Roth IRAs no matter how rich you are. You know to be staying away from loaded mutual funds and loaded bond funds right now now that interest rates are going up. You know all of these things. You know how to set up a you know, residence trust. All these things to protect all your money. Great. Then you know all those things. Great. Now you can go on and do whatever you want. Love that for you. But here's what I found. Half the people that used to come in to the studios at CNBC that knew everything about which stock to buy, which bond, which this, which that, managed this portfolio, didn't know the ramifications of not having a will and trust, didn't know about certain things with mortgages and these little things that are all about personal finance. And I was talking to some of the heads of something. They go, Susie, what's the advantage to a 15-year mortgage versus a 30? What's And, and the question is, well, why are you taking out a mortgage at all? Well, it's a $5 million home, and I don't want to put $5 million to work. So I'm just going to, you know, finance it. I go, well, you do know that after a million dollars of a mortgage, you don't get any tax write-off for that money. You know that, right? Oh, I didn't know that. So they can be as simplistic as you want. But then I say to you, there are millions of people out there that need simplicity. And those are the people that I want to listen to me. You were criticized for launching a prepaid card that later got discontinued. What did you you learn from that experience? This was the biggest heartbreak of my life because what I learned from that is that the banks and many financial institutions, in my opinion, want to keep people poor because they make more money off of people who are poor and that are in poverty because they have a lower FICO score, they pay higher interest rates, they pay overdrawn fees, they pay bounce check fees, they pay all of these fees on every, in every possible way, and it is their goal to keep people in poverty. And the reason that I know that, and one day I'll have to write a book on this, is the lies that came out about that card. That card was never to make money for me. The intention of that card was to help people get a FICO score who didn't want to use a credit card or didn't qualify for a credit card. Because the truth of the matter is, people who have credit cards can fake their FICO scores. They take out payday loans to pay the minimum on their credit cards. They take loans from their 401k plans to pay the minimums on their credit cards so they continue to have a good FICO score. When you pay cash for something, you can't fake it. People who pay cash every month should have a higher FICO score than people who put something on a credit card and it looks like they're paying it off every month, but nobody knows where they're getting that money from. Are you kidding me? So I simply wanted to create a prepaid debit card that was attached to a credit bureau so that every time you made a transaction, it would register and you would get a credit score. That was the intention. 
The week or two before it came out, all the people at FICO and everybody that was supposed to be doing this with me, they were all let go. They were gone. CEO, check the records. CEO, all the other people, gone from FICO. Oh, they said they were going to retire. Funny, they never talked to me that they were going to retire before we were going to do this. TransUnion, who I was going to be doing this with, it was supposed to take a few months for them to be able to tabulate all this and see if it would work. Two, you know, all of a sudden, take two years. I would, everything I tried to do, they even had the FDIC investigate me for all of these lies. And that cost me $25,000, $30,000 to defend myself against lies. So the banks, especially the bank that carried this one prepaid card, wanted me to fail because the banks, MasterCard, all of them get a percentage of all the fees. And my percentages and fees were so low that they didn't want this card. They didn't want this card to work. They wanted everybody else's card to work, that every time they took money out, it was a dollar. Every time they paid bills, it was a dollar. No, right? And so I had no choice but having to close the card. I lost $4 million on that, just so you know. If it had been successful, though, you would have made money. It wasn't set up as a nonprofit type of thing. Though. It was set up that I would have made very, very little money. Um, eventually, as soon as it got going, the $3 a month fee, which is all it was, um, would have gone away. I would have been so pleased never to make a penny. And knowing me, I would have taken the profits of that card and started a foundation from it. What do you say to people who think it's a conflict that you sell financial products when you're also giving financial advice to use those products? Like what financial products? For example, the card, the prepaid card. No, it's like, you know, listen, people are always going to love to criticize and um, so that they can profit off of it, really. It's like... I sell a book. I make money off of that book. Can you tell me where the conflict is there? Right? I'm on television giving advice, and I'm paid lucratively to do so. Can you tell me where the conflict is there? Some of your kits on QVC. I sell a $69 or $80, whatever it is on HSN, um, box that offers $2,500 worth of state-of-the-art documents for people that they can... Share that card with as many people as they want. You tell me one person in this world that gets on television and says, all it takes is for one of you to buy it. And then you can take this card and you can share it with as many people as you want. Look at my show last week when I was on. I said, and I'm quoting, you can share it with your mother, your brother, your sister, your church, your nursing home. I don't care how many people you share this with. The goal of this is for you to have the documents that you need today to protect your tomorrows. Because I know you don't have $2,500 to go to an attorney. And every time you go back to change that, that document, it's free. And all the millions that we've sold, do you know that over the years, and we have television footage that will show you this as well, if you bought it, the green box, or the blue box, or the silver box, and now we have a gold box, and we've updated everything, you're eligible for a free automatic upgrade that you never, ever again have to buy this program? You tell me who else does that. Just tell me. Go on, girlfriend. Try it. I read that you have about a million dollars in the stock market, which presumably is far less than your total net worth. 
What do you say to people who question why you have so little invested in stocks? Well, that is so now old. I had a million dollars invested in the stock market way back when, waiting for the stock market to crash. Then starting in 2009, when everything went down, now I have a serious sum of money I have. I can show you right now. I can bring out my phone for you. I can show you I have almost over 100 stocks. I have millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars in the stock market, um, probably close to $23 million. So now it's very different. So it just depends. Make sure your research is updated, girlfriend. You say that in a relationship, who earns what is irrelevant. What do you mean by that? It doesn't really matter if the woman is making the money or the husband is making the money. You just want to make money. But what's not true is it's not irrelevant to the people making the money. Women still, when they're in public, they tell people less than what they make. You think they'd be proud. Oh, I make $10 million a year. They'll say, I make eight, I make seven. Husbands who don't work and they're stay-at-home mom, you know, daddies, they will always say they make more. So it's not irrelevant. It's, it's, it's relevant, but it shouldn't really matter who makes what. What advice do you have for women who feel overwhelmed by student loans? You should feel overwhelmed by student loans in that student loans are the most dangerous debt out there. Right, So you just have to pay it, and you just have to get over it and pay them. In your book, Women and Money, you write that 60% of women worry about not having enough money to last through retirement. Is that a rational fear? Uh, yeah, it's a rational fear. It's a big fear because they don't. And um, the, the longer, the thing is you have to understand retirement isn't anymore. You, you retire at 65 and you're dead at 68. Right. Now you're going to be alive way into your 90s, possibly 100. And good luck having your money last you more years in retirement than you ever worked for it. So you should have fear about it. So you better be doing something about it right here and right now. Time now for your secrets. I'm Susie Orman. My money secret is if I'm going to buy anything that's a large ticket item, I have to buy it with new money. So if I'm going to buy a $10 million home, that means I can't go into my stock portfolio, my municipal bond portfolio, any of the money that I have saved, because that's my money. I have to go out and make $20 million. So after taxes, I have $10 million to buy that home. So I never use old money to buy something that's new. And if I have to use it, I can't afford it. This episode was produced by Tanya Bustos with special help from J.R. Whalen. John Wardock is the executive producer of WSJ Podcasts. I'm Veronica Dagger. Thanks for listening. What's your secret? Let us know. Write podcasts at DowJones.com or on Twitter. Use hashtag Secrets of Wealthy Women.